Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton and Greg White from the road right here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how goes it? It goes quite well, as a matter of fact. Beautiful day in the Windy City. Yeah, just got done doing a speaking engagement here at the Small Business Investor Alliance. So great, great facility, great organizations, and what a great team they put together. It's truly, it's been a while away from physical events, but they have done a spectacular job. Well, they lined up a wonderful top-notch, perfect keynote, and I, I hated to miss that. I look forward to the replay. And of course, what a awesome world city that Chicago is. I'm so oh jealous of, of your time. He is traipsing around the, the Miracle Mile now. She went and found some great donut place. And, and last night we had great Mexican food, a place called Suco on State mm. Street. So I'm hungry. Still going to spend a few extra days here, Scott. So I will have more reporting from the road. <laughs> okay. Well, y'all have a wonderful time. Please tell the one and only Vicki White we said hello. But hey, but today it's all yeah. about one of our favorite series supply chain leadership really across Africa. And we've got, of course, our dear friend, Jenny Froome with Apex back with us here. You'll uh, co-hosting with us and we've got a wonderful guest. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet, but a wonderful guest that will inspire you and offer lots of meaningful POV here today. But no let's, let's get down to business. We're going to say hello to a few folks here momentarily. Uh, I want to start with a couple of uh, quick announcements. So, so let's see if I've got this teed up right, Greg, you never know. Here we go. All right, right, so I've been told this is Joey from Friends, uh, and there's an F. You've been told. <laughs> Fritz, so I was I was an oddball back in the day. I I didn't watch Friends. At least I also not did not. So, and so nor did I watch the other two things that we were talking about backstage. So, which shall remain shall remain nameless, though, right? Yes, we shall gotta remain. keep those secrets. Yes. Yeah, some of those you want to keep secrets, <laughs> right? So here in the month of June, you know, I'm a big PBS fan. I watch PBS all the time. Always have since a kid. I love the American experience. One of my favorite shows, Nova, you name it. Well, of course, PBS, your public broadcasting service, I think. Well, they're, they're also well known for their telethons, right? Because they've got to raise money. I'm not sure if they're technically a nonprofit, but, you know, you can see them once or twice a year asking for support. So we, we're taking yep. a little page out of that book. And for the month of June here at Supply Chain Now, we're asking for your support, not in donations. We're asking for you to subscribe or to Supply Chain Now or any of our other shows, wherever you get your podcast from, or we want to hear from you. We want to get your feedback. We want to earn your review. Of course, Apple Podcasts being the, the big player there, it'd be great to get it there. But we also have a little um, tool that Amanda will drop in the comments where we can garner or, or, or gather your review there as well. So that's our June push. We're not going to beat the drum too hard. But we'd welcome your support. We really appreciate all the camaraderie we have on these live streams and keep that POV coming. Greg, anything to add there? That's right, Scott. S subscriber raiders are standing by. So please <laughs> punch that Man. keyboard. 
<laughs> you nail that every time. We're gonna have a lot of fun with this this campaign in June. But really, we highly value your support. Couldn't couldn't do it. Would do yeah. without it. And thanks so much. All well, right. I'd, I'd I'd like to make one minor push, and that is, hey, if you're gonna review us. <laughs> You only that. need to remember one number, and it That's is right. five. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. And we That's love, right. Tell love y'all being won, on this, Scott. <laughs> love y'all being on this journey with us. Okay. So speaking of, back to kind of a lot of our programming, these webinars, which are free to attend, got some powerful lessons learned. You know, Jenny uh, and, and Greg may not know yet, we just added Mike Wasson, which is a dear old friend here, supply yeah. you now. Outstanding uh, drummer as well. Oh, yeah. Maybe Part of so. the supply chain gang team. That's thing. right. And also, when he's got a little time, COO of Tosca, <laughs> right, which is right. on the move. Yeah. So y'all join us for for real supply chain innovations on June 8th, 12 noon. I think the link to, to join is in the show notes. Uh, and then June 22nd. So, Greg, you missed this yesterday because you're on the road in Chicago uh, enlightening folks. I had this prep call with this team from Ping and, and John Galt Solutions. Steve Boswick, who you see right there, he's been with Ping for 29 years. And his parents were also at Ping, and they worked wow. alongside Karsten Solheim. Solheim, wow. The founder. Wow. So so talk about transformation. You're going to hear from Chris and Steve about how the Ping Golf Club Company, one of the premier uh, equipment companies in the whole game of golf, have, have had to transform how they do supply chain. So join us June 22nd for that. Uh, and, and you may just get some golf tips, not from me, maybe from Greg and these other folks, but not from me. You know, I was just talking to somebody the other day, Scott, who is a member at a pretty prestigious club that one Tiger Woods was once a member of. Well, he actually lived there. And he ordered a new set of golf clubs. I'll not name the brand, but it's not Ping. And he is going to be... He's going on five months waiting for his clubs to be delivered. So the mere fact that you can deliver anything, it seems like these days, is uh, speaks to a great testament to your supply chain process. Excellent point. And just to, I don't want to let the whole cat out of the bag, but 7 million permutations when you order a customized set of pink golf clubs, 7 million permutations. Imagine the complexity that brings. But, hey, join us. Right-handed, terrible. Left-handed, terrible golfer. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of fun with that conversation, no doubt. Yeah. And yeah. then finally, because I want to get, I can't wait to get this conversation we're having here today with Jenny and Nikki, but it's just about all official, ready to launch. We've got a, for our Global Supply Chain and Procurement Awards on December 8th that's jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and our friends at Art of Procurement and Buyers Meeting Point. We've, we've been make, working fast and furiously to put together a really unique celebratory event that celebrates what the world's doing across global supply chain and for a great reason. I can't, can't quite release this nonprofit we're partnering with, but they're really focused on eradicating human slavery and, and human trafficking. And, and they're going to, not only are we working hard to give them visibility and their noble mission, but we're going to financially support them through this event. So stay tuned. You can learn more for now at supplychainprocurementawards.com and please make plans to join us on December 8th for a wonderful, wonderful purpose. Or sponsor, okay. you want your name tied to this. This is the premier supply chain awards. We don't make money off of it. We don't, we don't, this isn't some technology company or something behind it. This is real objective practitioners selecting the best in supply chain. So, you know, that's a great point. And Lars, sign Seri, up to sponsor. 
Yeah. <laughs> Laura Cesare is one of our four uh, executive um, judges that will be ensuring it's not a popularity contest, which is really important yeah. to us. So, yeah. okay. Um, let's say hello to a few folks and then we're going to bring in our featured guests. You are, you stay tuned for an awesome conversation. Uh, Peter Bollet is back with us. Uh, really appreciate your sentiment you shared on the insiders group. Uh, let's see here. Rhonda is with us. Hello, Rhonda. Great to see you here. Anwar is with us via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Anwar. Um, let's see. Peter's talking about the, the moonshine episode we dropped today. Today is national moonshine day here in the States. Thank you for mentioning that, Scott, because I'm not kidding. At this conference of highbrow investors in companies all over America, that was the talk of, of the topic. <laughs> Stacy from the SBIA and one of the investment firms here, she was like, today's National Moonshine Day, right? <laughs> Man, yes. how about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was part of the intro, she, she said. So we, I'm glad we got to mention it. That is wonderful. That makes my day. Uh, almost yeah. as much as this conversation. So, uh, hello, everybody. Hey, get ready. Get ready to get your comments, your voice, your POV ready. Uh, we are going to be kicking off a wonderful conversation here today. I want to bring in, uh, let's bring, let's, let's swoosh this twice. Let's first bring in Jenny Froome, and then I'm going to tee up the, the intro of our featured guest here today. So, with no further ado, Jenny Froome, COO with SAPIX. Jenny, good morning, good afternoon. How you doing? Hey, Jenny. <laughs> Doing well, doing well. Preparing myself for the, for the onslaught of winter as you all sit there looking summery. <laughs> My word. It never ceases to amaze me that the seasons are reversed, right? It's just shocking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What, it, what does winter mean to you, Jenny? Winter means it's lovely during the day, bright blue skies and quite warm, but evenings are quite chilly in our houses. Well, mine certainly is not equipped for cold weather. How cold are we talking here? <laughs> it gets to minus, well, minus numbers in, in, our, in our proper modern um, measurements of temperature, not your old fashioned imperial <laughs> measurements of temperature. <laughs> Jenny, I love it, man. So 32, so, okay. 32 and below. Sold. Yeah. I got to break out my protractor to, to make the conversion, I think, Jenny. That's right. But never It's beyond me, that's for sure. <laughs> well, hey, welcome back. Uh, always love this, this almost monthly conversation we have. Uh, love what you're doing across, uh, really, really, certainly in South Africa, but really across the African continent. Love the leaders you bring with you and all the – all the wonderful real innovation, talking about innovation, that's coming out mm -hmm. of Africa these days. I just had a great conversation with our mutual friend, Deborah Dahl, yesterday, and cool. uh, one of her wonderful friends, uh, Mushai, uh, who yeah. leads the uh, Kenya Association of Manufacturers. So stay tuned yeah. for that episode. But love Excellent. your leadership and love our partnership as we work together to do it. Yeah, us too. And thank you very much always. You bet. Yeah, All right. Thanks so for joining us. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, let me recognize a couple of folks that joined us since T-Squared, holding down the fort on YouTube, ready for the nourishment with a shot of moonshine. How about that? I love that. And Kelvin is tuned in via LinkedIn from Zambia. So, Kelvin, uh, welcome back. I think you're part of one of our earlier live streams. All right. But with no further ado, Greg and Jenny, we have a wonderful guest with us today. I'm going to uh, introduce her, and then we're going to swoosh her right on in. So our guest today is an award-winning, multiple award-winning serial entrepreneur. She's a passionate advocate for women in transport and in logistics. 
across supply chain, really. And she's constantly seeking ways to inspire women to engage and get this work together to drive transformation and inclusion. So I want to welcome in Nicholas Scott, CEO with Commercial Transport Academy. Thank good, you. Good afternoon, Nikki. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. We're, we're all excited to have you here. Really appreciate Jenny facilitating the conversation. And Greg, you're smiling ear to ear. We've been talking about this conversation for a while, huh? Well, you know, first of all, I just think we all recognize that so many great things are happening in Africa. Um, and when it includes inclusion, uh, that's that's even more energizing for us. And of course, we know we need some what should we say? Diverse viewpoints in transportation. Um, it's a crazy time in transportation. And, you know, just to have someone with the knowledge and the expertise and the viewpoint you have, Nikki, it's just great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Agreed. We can't do things like we've always been doing things. And we got to open the doors for everybody uh, from all walks of life. And I love that passion you got. We're going to dive more into that. So, I think we're going to start, though, Nikki. We're going to get the goods on you a little bit before we get down to the work and the heavy lifting. Tell us where you grew up and, and you got to give us some anecdotes about your upbringing. So I grew up in a very small coastal town, um, lots of mom and pop sort of businesses. And you kind of finished high school and maybe went on to university, maybe joined mom's business. Um, but nothing really extraordinary happened. You know, it was like just every day was the same sort of thing. But also growing up, I grew up in a highly religious family and very conservative um, belief system that basically left me feeling very ostracized from society. And I grew up with this mindset of always being on the outside, wanting to look into everybody else's lives. That resulted in this deep need for acceptance by people. From all the religious no's, I was trying to turn them into yeses, and um, I became very driven. And at the age of 19, I sold my first company, which I had created, bought a ticket off to the United States to go au pair, and lived in New Jersey and New York for almost two years. And I was just blown away by the service levels. You know, I this was 93, so we were still in the sanction time. Uh, South Africa had economic sanctions. Madiba hadn't been released. We didn't even have McDonald's. And here we, I was staying with a family, and they would drop a big bag of dirty laundry on their front step, and somebody would bring it back a day later, perfectly pressed, hanging on a coat hanger. The butcher would arrive and stock the deep freeze. And I just couldn't believe the service offerings that were available that I'd never experienced. I mean, Bloomingdale's and Macy's, I mean, these were just experiences one after another. And I, it was, it was honestly, it was a revelation. So I was going to ask you, uh, I'm still blown away that you sold your first company at 19. Yeah, that's, that is a feat, Nikki. Well, I, you know, when I was in high school, I redecorated all their bathrooms and all the, the, the female seating areas and accommodation areas because I just thought they were awfully ugly. And I raised money and went and made them went and had that done. So from a very early age, I think my mom recalls a story when I was three telling my grandmother how I didn't like her caravan. I mean, that's how young I had opinions. And it just sort of continued, you know, through life. And I... I I didn't fit into that highly religious mold. I had too much to say. I wasn't subservient enough. And the only way I was going to escape that was to actually exit 
And well, going overseas, I fortunately didn't find a husband. Otherwise, I don't think I would have come back. <laughs> and uh, I had to come back. But you know, I think the the most amazing thing is, although they were hard times and it was like a tough upbringing, that deep desire to be accepted by society made me want to please people and gave me this value system of wanting to really please people. Um, all those no's, I wouldn't allow them to deter me. They became my driving factor and offering anything close to the service levels I experienced in America became my value system in my personal life and my business life that I took on and continue to live with today. All right, so that we're start, starting with a huge bang, and there's so much, so many follow-up questions we've got. But I love at the core of it, uh, and Greg, I'm toss at you here as we, yeah. as we move down a professional journey. But at the core of it, I love how you were intent on carving out your own path and and not listening to those that that were encouraging you to do traditional, you know, that traditional path or wanted you to do certain things. You really forge your own way and i think that that is a great lesson for anybody and 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 certainly one we're sharing with our kids uh here on the home front but greg what what did you hear there yeah i think that outsider's perspective is exactly what we need supply chain right um today you know today scott i paraphrase something you shared with me the other day tradition is peer pressure from dead people right best practice is the best excuse for this is the way we've always done it and i feel strongly that 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 we lean too much on that term best practice in supply chain our practices can be a lot better and the world and technology and data and viewpoints um nikki like yours allow us to take that outsider's perspective and to look at things differently and to approach them differently so i'm curious aside from your upbringing you know, in the various roles, your time in the States, um, you know, tell me about some of the things that impacted how you view your professional viewpoint on the world. So um, returning back to South Africa around 21, um, I, I came back because my visa expired and I was committed only to working long enough to buy, get my another visa and to buy another ticket overseas. Family were not in a good place financially uh, and I felt like I had an obligation to help them. And I, I worked sort of working for an organization, but I could quickly see that the organization did not, not only share the same values, but they had no real purpose. You know, they were just simply doing a sort of labor brokering function. They didn't look after their people. And three months in, company that the, the client that I was servicing was a major car rental company called Avis Rent-A-Car. And I approached the, con the manager and said, look, I believe I can offer you a turnkey solution. I'm sure those weren't my words then, but they are today. A turnkey solution. And um, bear in mind, I hadn't gone off to university. I had a well, 12 years of high school, I mean, 12 years of school and not 12 years of high school. That sounds terrible. Um, and <laughs> so, That's how you wind up in supply chain, Nikki, is 12 yeah. years of high school. <laughs> so maybe we should. Um, he said to me, well, Nikki, if you can get a, uh, if you can get a contract um, and get bank finance, you know, we'll support you. Um, with this big smile, I went off to um, a local bank, secured finance, and Within a month, I was in business. 
and my job was to manage the distribution of the car rental vehicles from the major depots and from the airports to all the other depots. So overnight, um, the car rental companies basically have a look at all their bookings for the next day and they shift their fleet to all those major city centers. My job was to get the fleet to those city centers. And I started with Avis, quickly moved into two or three other car rental companies. And within 18 months, I had five branches open, 250 drivers working for me. I was too young. I mean, I was 21. I was too young to drive the vehicles myself. I wasn't insurable. I had to be 25 to drive the vehicles. I was nicknamed the Ice Queen because I was really so cold and so hard um, trying to play a role as such a young woman in in, in an industry that was waiting for me to fail, if I could put it to you that way, because it was like, what is this woman actually doing here? And I did that for a while, about five years, and then I realized I wanted to make a change. And there were, at that stage, there were a number of major big car carrier companies. So these are the companies that have trucks with um, trailers that you can stack cars on the back. These guys had ignored me. I mean, they were operating as a cartel. No one was, uh, um, they all had organized their rates and their, you know, specific routes. I came in with a 90-minute turnaround time from the time you gave me a telephone call to me having a driver at your depot to pick up a vehicle. This was unheard of because the industry was used to a five-day turnaround time from pickup to delivery of a vehicle. So that turnkey operation, insuring the vehicles, finding the drivers, applying the petty cash for the whole route, all of that basically became something totally new to the industry. And on top of that, I was able to not only grow exponentially, but move into a separate industry, which was the commercial vehicle industry. So I started offering the same service levels to the commercial um, transporters. So this would be moving a big MAN or a Mac, a Volvo, a Scania, so all the big trucks. Oh, wow, we move vehicles from up to top of Africa. It, it It was an incredible logistics achievement in a very short time. All right, so... Wow. Greg, before you move forward, Jenny has nodded her head numerous times here, I, th- I think, and it looks like she's she's building her own 17 pages of notes as I am. Jenny, what's, what's one thing that Nikki's already shared that really gets you going? Oh, well, I mean, I'm still going back to the selling her first business at 19. So I'm pretty slow to catch up on that. My kind of, I, I had to do a good job for my jaw not to hit the ground. But, you know, I, I going back to that being 21 and presumably very beautiful and just being having to be a tough woman in what's traditionally a man's world. Hats off to you for actually sticking at it. And I know that there are multiple women listening to this who probably will have experienced the same sort of thing. So, you know, full of what an inspiration. Well said, uh, Jenny. Well said. And, and Greg, the story doesn't stop there. Uh, yeah, I think that, first of all, I love the way, Nikki, you put it, playing the role of the Ice Queen, right? You had to you had to sort of put on that identity, whether you felt it or not, because of the hurdles that existed in the industry. And I think a lot of people have done that. I think, you know, I think young professionals today are fortunate to live in a world where they can actually be themselves and and still succeed, right? Where people do want them to succeed rather than want them to fail like you experienced. So. Yeah. Um, it's encouraging. It's interesting. The words you chose. I wonder if that was intentional or, I mean, did you feel like it was a role at the time or do you realize it, it is a, it was a role 
now? No, I think it was. It, it was deliberate. I um, you know, to command that amount of drivers, because by that stage we had well over 250 drivers. We were moving convoys every single night uh, worth a couple of hundred million, and I was self-insuring all of those vehicles. We had catastrophe insurance, but for the most part of it, it was my liability. So I became very hardened to the risk that I was exposed to, became very systems and process driven um, to mitigate the risk of moving these vehicles across the country. Most of those vehicles moved overnight because of the last minute. It was just in time deliveries that right. we were expecting. Um, and there's no window for planning as such. So the my success was in having good systems in recruiting the right drivers and having we didn't have proper tracking systems so we brought in satellite tracking units from australia they were about the size of a, a, a motorbike helmet they were massive and they sat on top of a truck like a big light so you would think it was a light um the drivers hated carrying them i mean a new satellite dish is about this size now but anyway, so they, they, we had to bring these in. We had to find communication systems for the drivers because this was, you know, it was like we're talking about nine, 2000. Uh, cell phone technology only came into South Africa about 94, 95, right. 96, somewhere around there. So, um, but I, honestly, I, I look back now and say I could not have done it without my family because they all played such key roles. And as the youngest in the family, I became this matriarch and that became an additional responsibility as looking after everyone. And I want to say to the woman out there that you actually don't need to be everything to everyone as much as you're going to try to do that. You know, I had children. I gave them to my husband literally as I came out of theater and said, yeah, right. This is your job. I'm going back to work. And I had I didn't feel guilty until somebody told me I should feel guilty. You know, what happened to the <laughs> early childhood? And it was actually a psychologist when she was asking me for the dates of when did my child roll over and when did she sit? Like, hell, I don't know. And then when, when did this child do this? So it's like, don't get so caught up in trying to play a role for everyone. You know, you do your absolute best where you can and you bring in people or you have family that support you in the race. And I think that that is a message that I would really like women to hear today. Wonderful. And, and yep. loud and clear and well-received. What a wonderful message. I want to share a couple of comments from our dear members of the community in the cheap seats, as uh, I think Peter Bolay coined. And then, Greg, we're going to skip ahead uh, for the sake of time because I want to get the whole story out here. And yep. we're going to dive into CTA. But first, uh, as Rhonda says, so relatable. Kudos, Nikki, for keeping at it with confidence and conviction. Well said there, Rhonda. Let's see here. Peter says, I would have rather taken Ice Queen over some of the commentary he received for speaking truths. That's a great point. And Brandy says, yes. And welcome, Brandy. Great to have you back. She says, yes, I was constantly being told to be more empathetic by my male bosses in supply chain who had no empathy. Raise your hand if you had, if you had to deal with that. And Rhonda, thank you very much. Love these cheap seats. Hey, we, we love them too. We love who sits in them and all the POV that we get out of them. So Rhonda, thanks so much. And I'm going to follow up one last comment here from Rhonda. I recall having to work really hard to gain respect in an industry at 26 that was very male-dominated in athletic departments, mostly compo com uh, composed of older men. So many stories for sure. Some very fun to recall and some not so pleasant. Thick skin helped, and along with strong female mentors. So well said there, Rhonda. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. 
lot sure. more of that story, Greg uh, and Jenny. But Jenny, you know, at this point, I want to I want to talk more about CTA. So let's dive into the business. Yeah, I, it's one of the most exciting um, introductions that we've had. And I have to give a shout out to Claire for, for actually introducing SAPEX to Nikki and Nikki to SAPEX. And I, I'm just really excited about the work that the Commercial Transport Academy is doing and the whole intent behind it. Um, Nikki, why did you form it? And what was, yeah, what was the why, really? What was your why around that? It was the absence of women. You know, the once I moved out of car rental and focused all my business attention in the um, trucking environment, um, I had to be very cautious of how I employed drivers. And, you know, because we moved a brand new truck off the production assembly line, we had to make sure we delivered that vehicle in that same condition. So it required me to employ drivers that today could drive a brand new Actros 3, tomorrow they would climb into um, Euro 3 technology of an FAW, the next day they could be back into a Volvo on Euro 6, and these drivers had to be able to handle all these different vehicles. It required a skill set that is not really known. Most drivers have one truck and trailer and that's the end of it for a certain period of time. But in all the time I was doing this, so whether that already started the CTA, there was just no woman coming forward. Um, in the boardroom, I was very often alone. And if I wasn't, I would, if the women were in procurement or they were in HR, maybe admin. But they, they weren't female entrepreneurs. Uh, a study done by MasterCard in 2019 has confirmed this, that in the, the, the transport sector, women still make up less than 10% of the businesses that supply into the transport and logistics sector. And I couldn't understand why women are so afraid of this industry because it's in our differences that we actually thrive in the sector because we have different thoughts and different ideas that we bring to the table. So my why was to make sure that I could create a company that could embrace the challenges and, and barriers that women are encountering and find solutions to those to bring women in. Coming back to that not accepting a no as an answer was the main driver behind this. So, Greg, if I can get you to weigh in here based on what she just shared and her why, and I love how the differences make us all stronger. I can't remember exactly how she put it, but, Greg, what did you hear there that really inspired you? Well, I mean, I think it's a delivery on the promise of mentoring other women, right? I mean, I think the thing that we hear, we talk with so many women in supply chain who've got similar stories. We talk to a lot of men, as Peter just pointed out, who the old guard have held down. I wouldn't say uh, without discrimination, but they've held the old guard have held down the new generations significantly, probably just definitely disproportionately towards women and minorities. But, but I think that you know, we hear a lot of women say, I need female mentorship, I need female guidance, I need someone on my team pulling for me to help me through this. And this delivers on that with, you know, resounding force. So that's the impactful thing is to deliver on that, to see the need in the marketplace, to recognize it, you need it yourself to recognize that others need it, and then to deliver on it is just so powerful. Well said, well said. And Jenny, I'm gonna come back to you right after I share a couple of these comments here. Owalabi is with us once again. It's been a little while since we saw our dear friend Owalabi. Welcome uh, via LinkedIn. Look forward to hearing your POV on today's conversation. 
And Brandy adds, uh, she's speaking to Peter here, but I think it's really relevant. We also need to change the perception that strong men are good leaders and strong women are bitches. And I'll, I'll, that's Brandy's. Or uh, ice queens. Yeah, comments. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's so true. Yes. I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, <laughs> and Peter also adds, never fear to fail, uh, especially if you fail, fail forward. Excellent point there, Peter. Okay, so Jenny, I'd love to get your take on, on, on this segment. And then, of course, we're going to drive a little deeper with getting more advice from Nikki. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, everybody's gone. I'm on my own now. Um, just, I, again, you know, the, the whole concept behind CTA, I think one of the stories that you told me when we were talking was that, for, for example, in South Africa, there are two in the whole of the country, only two stops that actually cater for women truck drivers from from a, a facilities point of view and that really resonated and the more that i the, the more that i talk to you the more that i just understand what a an unsung backbone of of the supply chain actually the the commercial transport industry is and i think that it's really important that people like you can uh, work with people like us to create a platform of, of knowledge and recognition. And I know that Scott and Greg are doing an awful lot of, of this spotlight, not not in Africa alone, but in, in America and ultimately, I guess, the rest of the world. But from from your point of view, you, you talked about women being frightened of, of, of the profession. What would your advice be to, to women? I know that there's that that you mentioned the bit about it's it's our ability to do things differently and to think differently that should make us shine in in this profession. Um, what what other advice have you got for for individuals looking to get into it? Look, I I my greatest champions in my career have been men. I have always been very supported, and I think. You know, when you act with, when you're authentic in the way you handle um, people and you come from a place of integrity and honesty, it's very easy for org organizations to work with you. Going back to my previous company, you know, in 2013, I had the most horrific internal fraud in the business at the hands of a serial fraudster. And I should have seen it, but my focus was elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I was looming over me was the potential cl closure of my business. And I sat with my customers and these were like blue chip companies, you know, as I said, Mercedes Benz, Volvo, South Africa, uh, MAN, Isuzu. And they had every right to basically cancel their contracts with me. Instead, what they did is they said to one of them actually said, Nikki, how can we fund you to keep your business going? And they did, one did. Another um, turned around and said, we trust you enough to know that you're going to work through this process and that we just have to keep in touch with you. And I think it's that it's that, you know, you, you are your own brand and depending on how you conduct yourself in business, we'll decide on whether those dividends pay off when you actually need that support, because it's a journey in business is just fraught with so many challenges and obstacles. It's not all easy. And when you do, when you're, you know, when your hand is down and you need that support from your customers or your suppliers, I got that in spades and it allowed me to re pivot my business and sell it um, in 2018 to a JSD listed company, bringing me straight back to the CTA where I thought, well, 
I'm going to do something a little less um, stressful than um, truck driving and, <laughs> and logistics. And I committed to developing female commercial truck drivers. We have less than 1%. And I want to say, I don't know, I know she's not listening, but for those who know her, Ellen Voy of Women in Trucking USA is one of my absolute icons. She has done so much. And I uh, spoke to her a couple of times. Her energy and her compassion and her commitment to making it possible for women truck drivers to thrive, whether they're owner operators or whether they're driving for an organization. I've taken that model and that um, mindset and brought that to South Africa to make sure that I can do the same um, for women here. And we have just recently, and I hope I'm allowed to talk about this because I've gone off subject here, Jenny, but we have landed funding um, from USAID. Once again, thank you, US. And we will be developing 915 women for the sector. So wow. uh, 495 truck drivers, 120 professionals, and 300 entrepreneurs. Awesome. Um, and that will be women in supporting the entire supply chain industry. But for me to bring truck drivers in, like uh, um, Jenny was saying, is that we have to fix the ecosystem because there isn't one. So at this point, women can only do short haul deliveries. If they were to do long haul, they would have to go from uh, cust uh, employer's depot to depot because there's no truck stops for women. There's only two truck stops in the whole of the country. And we're talking about, oh God, I don't know how big South Africa fits into the US, but it's massive, the space that we have to cover with two truck stops. So when you look at that and you think, well, how are we going to change that? It's in conversations like this, it's creating that awareness. It's bringing all the parties together that are involved in logistics and saying, right, we need transformation of a sector. And that's what I hope to do. All right. This is this is really exciting. I got to share a couple comments here as you got to that kind of inflection point and weren't sure if to proceed or not. Well, Peter says, hey, go, 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 <laughs> keep talking. And Brandy <laughs> said, hey, we saw a little giggle from, from Greg and Scott there. Well, really, this is your show, uh, Nikki. We're here just to make introductions and, and recognize our audience, but very inspiring. And, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about what needs to change. There's a lot of talk about the solutions that, when, and the things we need to do to create change. And then there's folks that go out and do it. And they go out and do it, and, and they, they risk. They put their own skin in the game and make the risks, and, and with no guarantees it's going to go anywhere. And, and that's what it takes. That's what it takes to change anything, whether we're providing opportunities for all folks and changing these ratios that are so you know, traditional and, and really meaningfully with outcomes, putting that, as Sandra McQuillan has said, you know, leaving that ladder down and that door open for others to, to, to walk right through it and, and walk through those doors and windows of opportunities. So I love what you're doing. I admire the skin of the game you're putting as a fellow entrepreneur. And I hope that you're going to inspire armies of other entrepreneurs to do the same thing. Cause Greg, you know, we are fortunate to hear a lot of those stories where entrepreneurs that are, that are oftentimes even new to global supply chain, they see the opportunities, they see the problems, whether they're societal or whether they're related to the craft, as you put it, and they, they, they bust through and, and they get a lot of resistance as, as everyone here is talking about, but that's where, that's where the gains are made. So Greg, what are some of the things that Nikki shared that, that, that you really enjoyed? Uh, well, the stunner is, you know, I'm constantly reminded of Africa, 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 right? We talked about this on the last show that Jenny 
was you were on, uh, you know, of the availability of certain products and various types of things, but I had not thought of an entire country with no women's facilities mm. in it. I mean, virtually an entire country might as well be two as such a small sample as to be virtually meaningless. So I had not even thought about that as a possibility. And now I'm reflecting on as I've stopped in whatever loves country stores or pilot stations here in the States, I'm kind of, which are plentiful, of course, right, I'm right. thinking of, of whether I did at some point or even do now see women's facilities in those or, or what, but yeah, that's, it's things like that, that, you know, they're just stunning, frankly, to me, like, but to realize that's what you've got to fight through as well as the social and the cultural issues, the physical oh, yeah. infrastructure is tough. It's like a blind spot constraint. Cause I'd never thought it, about that either. You know, it's really hard and, to keep that in your perspective. I mean, right. you know, it gives you some idea. And as you, Nikki, you experienced, you, you clearly experienced a supremely privileged American family because I didn't even know. I didn't, I didn't ever have the butcher show up at the house when I was a kid, <laughs> but, but just the relative, the relative luxury and ease of life that we have here relative to even uh, argue inarguably the most civilized country in Africa, South Africa, right? I mean, it's the most European of all of the African countries. And for, for them to have this kind of infrastructure challenges, it's just stunning, frankly. And it, it goes to the challenge that Africa, all of the countries of Africa face. But I think it also goes to, and we talk about this a lot, and Nikki, I hope this is encouraging, um, but it also goes to the fact that things like cell phones came to Africa late, so they didn't experience the same thing with cell phone banking. You know, the issues around banking, 80% of the entirety of the continent uh, at one time was completely unbanked. So they just skipped the entire banking system in a number of countries in Africa and people transact things with their phones and other devices mm. rather than have bank accounts. And maybe there is some way for you, Nikki, and your organization to leap over the constraints that we have because, because of an established infrastructure and really pave the way, not just for women, not just for transportation, not just for Africa, but maybe even for the world, if there is a way to break through the, you know, the whatever ceiling, the, the, tr the tradition and, and best practice of, of global supply chain, I feel like there's a great opportunity to just look at it from your outsider's perspective and really change things dramatically. Well Thank said. you, Greg. Yeah. And, and Nick, I'll give you a chance to respond and, and then we're going to kind of move the conversation to the more bigger picture. What, what comes to mind? So there's, you know, um, we have an opportunity right now and it's, it's not great for all, but it works for us. So one of the biggest challenges we incurred when I started training up women was finding employers that were willing to take on women because it's just, you know, they don't have facilities, they don't have policies, you know, she's going to fall pregnant, God forbid, she's going to have a baby. And then, you know, you know, not just one, maybe she has three or four, and then we've got to deal with maternity leave. And it was, yeah, I listened to all of this and I'm like, Dudes, really, um, you know, the. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best response I've ever heard, dude. Really. <laughs> uh, no, no, like they, they were born at some point and um, there was a yeah, woman right. in there. Like, <laughs> you know, 
know that it's just the naivety and so the uh, so often the procure not procurement the hr recruitment process is so skewed towards the recruitment of men simple things like a short woman short lady trying to climb into a truck you know the truck itself many of them don't have the seats that are adjustable enough to be able to get somebody with short legs to the front of that vehicle so there are physical constraints there are social constraints there's psychosocial constraints and and the most amazing thing after all of uh, with all of that is women are so geared so the programs that we are running we're running a program with Volvo trucks where we are developing women on a project called Iron Woman we are developing owner operators so these women will own their truck and get a contract with a mining company called Lafarge a French company for 5 years and i will be developing their entrepreneurial skills over that period of time we've got us aid and we've got other companies and all of them are now gearing they they relooking at their businesses from the inside out and saying how do we make it possible for women to not only enter but to remain in this industry and i think that's incredible i'm just so chill i love that uh nikki mm -hmm. i couldn't wait for you to finish that point because that is a wonderful uh mantra to live by and work by and lead by and, and certainly put on back of our t-shirts i mean really because you don't want we don't want anyone just to break in we want them to break in and thrive and and in a sustainable fashion so that's a really important point i want to um I want to share a couple of comments, and I, and I got to share a, a thought that came out of our recording from yesterday. Uh, let's see. Andrew says, very proud to be associated with Nikki and the CTA in this project. So, Andrew, thanks for being here with us. Mary. Hey, Mary Cummins. Hope this finds you well. There are hundreds of U.S. companies in South Africa, including GM and CAT. And she right. mentioned uh, she spent two weeks there and really enjoyed it, but lots overcome for her quality. And, you know, I, I think we, we all see opportunities, right? Regardless of where it is, but a uh, great point there, Mary. Let's see here. And Francisco, to be honest, I was not even aware of the 10% that reference you referenced earlier, Nikki. Great to hear you're pushing to make things happen. Francisco, excellent point, And thanks for being here with us. One last thing. And by the way, Peter loves, I, I love this dude. Dude, really? That's going to be, that's worth the price of admission. Only that, Nikki, because that response really just implies how how dumb let's just call it face it dumb yeah concern right. and question that that is but i gotta share this yesterday you uh, were so, born at some point dude <laughs> and you know a couple of those comments from nikki i had to wait and i looked over at jenny to make sure it was okay to laugh so once jenny laughs i can laugh you know uh because i'm real cognizant you know uh, those kinds of things but anyway so mushai kuniha is the, and I think I've got that right, it came really close, hopefully. He's chairman of the Kenya Association of Manufacturers and, and CKL Africa's uh, group CEO. And he really made a point, and I'm not gonna do it as eloquently as he did, but in talking about the, the opportunities for industry across Africa, and entrepreneurs and leaders, you name it, you know, they have a unique opportunity not to do it like other parts of the world has done, including all the mistakes that have been made. And he re and, and that really was something that, that I hadn't really thought of. You know, they're going to like the banking that Greg pointed out. You know, to do that, that we still in, in, in large degree don't have here, they can, going back to Nikki where it all started, they're going to forge their own path. And they're going to they're gonna do it in an innovative and different manner. And they're going to be able to avoid many of the huge mistakes that, that other parts of the world made. So I think that's, that is inspiring, at least to me, because it, it goes back to, 
you know, forging your own way and, and doing it on your terms and, and doing it in a new creative way. So appreciate Nikki, what you've shared along those, those lines here, but Jenny, what's before I, I take it more bigger picture, what's, what's uh, Greg and I've kind of both shared about what our favorite parts here. What, what have you uh, really enjoyed? <laughs> yeah. I'm with Peter about the dude really. Um, <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to have been brave enough once upon a time, actually, to be that that ballsy. I'm, mm. I'm going to take lessons from you, Nikki. I, I just I love the idea of the sustainability of this of this project, mm. and it's the it's the building, it's the starting the building blocks. And as somebody said in the comments, I can't remember who. It's so easy for us all to sit and talk. Um, and I think that you know the last couple of, of months or, or eighteen months or so, there's been a lot of talking because action's been hard. Um, and and you know watching what Nikki has achieved in this time, this is real action. This isn't just talk. And you know it's really exciting that that I hope we're going to be along for the ride for for a while to come. So it's exciting. Absolutely, uh, Jenny, I love that. And Greg, before I go big picture, I know as a, as a serial entrepreneur yourself, and 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 are used to putting that skin in the game and building it and, and, and you know, uh, all the things that go with that, that's got to resonate with you, right? It, it takes guts. It does, but it really takes guts when you don't have the underlying infrastructure, the underlying systems or the underlying cultural support that you have in the states or other, I don't know what to call it, not, not, to, not, not to pigeonhole South Africa, but in the typical first world country, you have an incredible infrastructure, right? And cultural norms that are more acceptable of that, whether you are male or female, but certainly more if you're female. So to have overcome all of that um, and do this and and to proudly, frankly, wear the moniker of Ice Queen and, and yet to realize that it was really only a role to play, not a person that you are. Uh, and, to, and to take that person and turn that person into someone so giving and so uplifting to other women and professionals and, and the profession. I think that's just, look, that's what we all strive for in the end. Right. I think we all want to make a lot of money and then give back. That's, that's really, um, the entrepreneurs we'll never, they never stop in any way no, to, to, to me by giving is great. And, and Greg, on that point is that, you know, one thing South Africa has that sets it apart from the, some of the other first world countries is the number of statutes that have been implemented that support women and support initiatives to bring women into the boardroom, to bring women into non-traditional occupations. Without those statutes, we wouldn't have achieved as much as we have. So we might not have everything right on one element, but we do have this massive drive from government recognizing the value of women. The other thing that has made it possible for me to achieve this is the little ecosystem that I have built around me in my supply chain. So my current projects to develop female truck drivers, you know, we, we take them from driving just sort of the dinky cars up to having a commercial truck driver's license. And then from there, they do some theory around being a responsible truck driver. And they, there's a couple, a couple of weeks of theory but it's in a key partner that I have, and it was Andy that was actually on the call just now. One Logics, which is a uh, also a JC listed organization, um, and a specifically a division called Track Logics, who bought my company, 
has allowed me to place my learners at their premises to get work experience. So when my ladies finish their couple of months of training, they can drive up to 13 different brands of vehicles. So when they actually go for a job interview, um, they're not um, overshadowed by and overwhelmed by the vehicle that they're climbing into. They literally just be able need to have overcome their confidence issues. But we, it's just you know, without those people, without those Sapex coming on board, and Sapex has given us a special membership. So all of my students on the USA project will become members of of Sapex and. It took me many years to understand that I was part of supply chain. I saw myself as transport and logistics. I didn't see how I fitted into supply chain. And I only in hindsight, when the more I got involved with supply chain, do I realize that I'm actually supply chain. I'm not transport and logistics. And I think that that was a revelation on its own. That's common. It's really very common to, to think of it that way. I, I think I think we're starting to think of supply chain as kind of the overarching principle yes. because we hear it from people in manufacturing all the time as well. We don't have anything to do with supply chain. We're in manufacturing, right? And I think we have to think of supply chain as the overarching principle in all of these things as segments of the supply chain, including retail, right? So it's a new yes. world. It is a new world. Yeah. So I've been on mute. Sorry. I was agreeing with all of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw your uh, head nodding. I just, yeah, I, I was, uh, supply chain is the business, as as Jeff has coined. I mean, it there's a supply chain for for everything, and, and even in the content and information aspect, they've got there's a supply chain there. So, and as our dear friend uh, Dominic uh, Zwinkels shared, and we just lost Greg, uh, Jenny, no product, no program, right? And we've referenced that a thousand times. It's so true. Okay. I want to uh, share a couple comments and then we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Jenny and Nikki and we'll see if Greg rejoins us. He was on a, um, he's, he's dialed in from the road in Chicago, I think in a, in a makeshift uh, conference room. So we'll see if he can regain. First off, Prince is uh, uh, from Africa, the Democratic Republic of Congo. He's looking for an opportunity in supply chain, even an internship. Uh, he's a student in the, um, maybe he's on a master's program uh, for supply chain management at Pantheon. So Prince, connect with folks. Uh, you know, we, we, we uh, pride ourselves on, on helping to be serving as, a, as a, um, a connector organization. And hopefully you'll reach out and connect with folks at a minimum on LinkedIn. And we'll see what we can, we can uh, um, shake the trees and, and find. Peter says, going back to our earlier point, put up or keep the crap trap shut, as Peter puts it. I love that. Um, all right. Looks like Greg is back with us. Greg, good. <laughs> Greg, how you doing? There I am bragging on the U.S. infrastructure and gone in an instant. <laughs> uh, and I Jenny, thought you'd gone for cheesecake. <laughs> as Jenny Not stated, to it, it, it truly takes way. a village. Uh, yeah. And hopefully you're going to bring all those goodies back with you. I'm very jealous. But it, it truly... It does take a village across, and, and it takes a wide variety of folks and um, leaders from different walks of life to, 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 to work together to change things and to support each other while that change is, is, is being, um, uh, in, in a very difficult manner, is, is being made. So I love, love this conversation we had here today. Let's make sure, Nikki, that folks that want to connect with you and, and connect with CTA, what's the easiest way for that to happen? 
It's probably to go to our website, um, which is www.c-t-a.co.za. From there, you will find my contact details and you will find my email address. Um, yeah, I think my phone number is even listed on my website. And also LinkedIn, um, Commercial Transport Academy on LinkedIn would also be another one. Wonderful. Well, uh, Nikki, really appreciate what you've shared here to, here today. Um, really appreciate your time. But Jenny, let's make sure folks can connect with you and, and all the great things that SafePix is doing these days. Yeah, um, thanks very much. And I will say it again, this is the fastest hour ever. Um, <laughs> I knew this would be fast, but it's just whizzed by. Yes, so SafePix, you can contact us. It's www.sapix.org or find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter. I'm quite quite active on both. So um, look forward to, and Prince Kijana, meaning small, small, small boy or small child in Swahili. Please, by all means, reach out to me and I'll see what I can do. I've got some nice contacts now in DRC. Uh, that is wonderful. That's what it's all about. And, of course, Apex has got their big annual conference coming up in September, I believe. Is that right? No. August. August. End Sorry. of August, 24 to 26 of August. That's right. And, uh, and hopefully we can reprise this, this, this gathering because Nikki's going to be speaking and hopefully um, we can have some time with uh, Scott and Greg as well. Well, Absolutely. all online. One day we'll be in Cape Town. What can I say? Right. Yes. <laughs> Soon. Soon, but uh, what a home run speaker to add to that uh, outstanding lineup that you always have, Jenny. So um, you can find out more information about that event at safepix.org as well, right? Okay. All right. So huge thanks to Nikki Scott. Let's see. I was, I was, I was pulling my notes from the other show as I was, I was reminding myself what points I wanted to share. But Nikki Scott is CEO, CEO with Commercial Transport Academy. Nikki, thanks so much. And, of course, big thanks, of course, to Jenny Froome, COO of safe picks we look forward to reconnecting very soon thank you thanks everybody. thank you so much guys thank you. <laughs> thanks for being a part of our supply chain now community check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to supply chain now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on facebook linkedin twitter and instagram see you next time on supply chain now